Coming at you live from the KTSW studios in San Marcos, Texas, this is Bobcat Radio. Good morning, Bobcat and Rattler fans, and welcome to this Monday edition of Bobcat Radio here on the 17th of October. This is your host, Ryan Legas, and today I'm joined by my producer and co-host, Justin Brown. We got a lot of cover this morning after a jam-packed weekend. But before we get started, Justin, can you hit us with a little ad? Of course I can. Twin Peaks Restaurant and Sports Bar is a sponsor of this broadcast of Bobcat Radio. Located on the northbound frontage road of I-35 at Guadalupe Street in San Marcos, Twin Peaks has bites, wings, burgers, sandwiches, and more. Info and menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks, each drink's scenic views. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, well, we're going to get started first with some Texas State soccer. They won against uh, Troy this past weekend, 2-1. to one. Uh, let's see, a goal apiece from Kira Gonzalez and Wembley Wright in the last seven minutes, seven minutes, sorry, propelled the Texas State soccer team to a win, and it also clinched them a spot in the Sun Belt Tournament. Ain't that just something? Isn't that something? I mean, Steve Holman comes to this team in one year, and he already is bringing this squad to the tournament with an amazing record that is 8-1-1 one, one right now. And this win over Troy, I mean, Troy has always been, you know, a, a rival of Texas State. Um, and this this game, we saw Caitlin Christman get three saves, which was very good. And Kira Gonzalez, like you mentioned, and Wimberly Wright and those two goals, um, just, just huge for the Bobcats to get that in the last minutes of the game. And it just shows that that consistency that we talked about previously, like they never give up. It's like we talked about that final score they had in the, um, the game prior against, I think it was, I can't remember, right now at the been, mo- uh, not James Madison maybe James Madison I, I think I, I think it was ULM or it was or UIW they had a final second score like it was in the last 30 mm. seconds it just shows that they don't give up on the play so just really great great win and now they got a Sunbelt tournament spot yeah it's good for them and you know coach Holman after the game he was talking about you know you know they made it to the championship that's great but he was still you know critical of their performance in that game you know they didn't play good in the first half they only had two shots on goal or two shots in general in the first half, two of them only being on goal. And you know, he was just saying, you know, it was a grind at the end. You know, it's good to see him come out. And, you know, he said, you know, it's good for them to come out the win. But, you know, there's still a lot to improve in looking at the game, which is still good to see, you know, even with them having a spot in the tournament, they're not letting they're not letting off the gas. They're not going to cruise for the last three games of the season and just kind of coast into the tournament and then, you know, try and kick it off then. They're going to still keep it going 100% for the last three games of the season. Oh, yes, and I think they have all the opportunity to. I think if you look at the teams that they're playing next, you got South Alabama, Marshall. You know, these teams, their their schedules don't look as fortunate as the Bobcats do, so, you know, they have a lot of momentum, and those teams are definitely looking at the calendar and seeing the Bobcats coming up, and they're trying to get a spot in that tournament as well. You know, wherever they can get it, I don't know how the seeding is going to work exactly, um, but, you know, these teams are definitely fighting for that spot, and, you know, the Bobcats are the team that you have to get out of that spot right and they clinched it though so the bobcats we we, we expected them to go to the sunbelt tournament earlier this year with this the, the amount of success they've had so these final three games are just you have to make sure that you do what you can do in those final three games and improve as much as you can before you go to that tournament because when you're in that tournament it's one and done you're out so you have those three games to prepare yourself so steve holman is going to get to coaching and I wonder if he's going to try and change it, maybe change up the roster a little bit in the last three games, you know, maybe give the starters maybe a little bit of rest, bring out the bench a little bit and see what they can do. But, um, yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what he's going to go into for the last three games. But going on after soccer, of course, we got the Texas State women's volleyball team. Well, who, should we mention soccer's next game first? Oh, just, my bad. Just oh, yes, of course. Sorry about that. They're going to be playing this Thursday at home against South Alabama. That's going to be 
a pretty good one for them, I assume. But now we can go to Tech State gotcha. Volleyball. There we go. <laughs> Always got to let, let y'all know where they're going to be playing. They're gonna, oh, so this past weekend, they played Southern Miss. They won 3-0 on Friday and 3-1 on Saturday. So a really good showing for them. A lot to look good at. You know, on Friday, Texas State capitalized with uh, defensively with 61 digs, the most by the Bobcats in a three-set match so far this season. You know, it really helped uh, Emily DeWalt also. She uh, got a lot of assists this game, and that really helped out. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. With Lauren Teske, who got 14 kills, and Jane Fitzgerald, who got 13. And, you know, we're always looking at Emily DeWalt and her assists and see how far, how close she's going to get to that number that she's been eyeing for this whole season. Yeah, Emily Emily DeWalt, I mean, she's won 23 Setter of the Week awards, and that is just uh, an insane statistic to even say and she's just a few assists away from taking that spot but there was just so much to be seen in this game against southern miss i mean sorry against um yes southern miss um and truthfully in this game what i saw was just the things that you need to do towards the end of the season to get prepared for tournaments like these players i don't know when we were talking at the beginning of the year we were talking to coach sean hewitt and he was saying hardest thing is just getting a starting lineup and we're seeing players step up like lauren teske when we talked about her i mention her all the time on the show I, I don't know how many times i've said it she's been doing amazing things she appeared in that jmu series and was their secret weapon she's a redshirt senior and in, in this series she did amazing as well you look at lauren teske for the game on saturday and on Saturday, Lauren Teske had 15 kills as well as 16 digs. So that's another double-double for Lauren Teske. So huge performance. And Janelle Fitzgerald, I swear, when you're watching that series, Janelle Fitzgerald looks like she's she's playing with a bunch of middle schoolers out there. She is in, she amount of power that she puts behind that ball is insane. And these other teams just couldn't stop it. And that's why they got this, you know, 6-1 on the weekend against Southern Miss. So it was just a huge performance from everybody. I mean, 25 kills from Fitzgerald. I mean, jeesh. I haven't seen, I mean, that was like a career high or one of the career highs for her, or maybe it been a while since she had done it. But I mean, to still be killing it like that, you know, DeWall, that was also her, uh, I think, 150th game with the program. That puts her, I think, top 10 or close to top 10 in the, in the Sun Belt. But I mean, and not to mention Emily DeWalt, she got nine kills in that game Saturday, which ties her career high in kills. So, you know, just huge for her. So, I mean, it, 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 when we talk about kills with Emily DeWalt, Emily DeWalt's usually a setter. She's giving you, in this game, she gave 48 assists, which is insane. The second place to that was Kinsey Smith with 34. But Emily DeWalt usually assisting the ball, but she took a different role in this one. She went straight for attacking and she really tricked them. When she goes for a set, you look, she looks like she's about to set it with her hands and then she just tips it over the net. And the team, the other team is not, not expecting that. That's just not normal. It's not usual play, but that's Emily DeWalt's style of play. And that's why she gets 23 setter, you know, week awards. And that's why she got nine kills in this one. So just a huge, huge performance from our duo of Janelle Fitzgerald and Emily DeWalt. Yeah. I want to see if, if, if DeWalt or yeah, DeWalt's going to try and try and pull that, that gimmick for the last couple of games of the season, try and see if she can fake out the defense like always. Oh yeah, she, she will. I've seen her do it multiple times at these games. It's something that the other team just like, they look at her like, really? You just did that? <laughs> Cause they're not expecting it. So just, yeah, Emily DeWall. I mean, she's coming at you in three different directions from assists, kills and digs. So she's doing great things for this team. And then you got Janelle Fitzgerald, Lauren Teske. I mean, they're going to be important for these last few, you know, these final games they have going into the season. Yeah. These opponents are going to have to pick their battles. See, they're going to try and take on the wall or just, put all they can against Teske and Fitzgerald. But the Bobcats, the next game is going to be sorry, against uh, South Alabama this next weekend. South Alabama, if you all know, got us out, or they beat us in the championship last season. This is the first time they're going to be facing on 
facing up since then. So this is going to be interesting to see. They're going to bring some aggression, bring some some of that angst that they felt after that championship game last year. But it should be a really good game. Yeah, 100%. You know, the the, Bob, the Bobcat volleyball team last year, that was their first time not going into the NCAA tournament in a while. And they've taken that personally. You know, getting removed from the Sun Belt tournament last year against South Alabama, they're going to have that rivalry. That's going to be on their mind. They probably circled this game looking at the schedule because they know how important this one is. They, they, they are rivals. They've seen each other last year. And right now, they're going to meet each other again probably in the tournament. And they got to be prepared. So this is a great time to see these conference matchups before the tournament so you can prepare yourself and you know prepare the personnel accordingly like you know if Janelle Fitzgerald doesn't perform as well in this game you got to put someone else in Lauren Teske or other minutes just how you mentioned the soccer team might be introducing some new roles I think Sean Hewitt's going to do that as well before the tournament he's trying to see who's doing amazing Lauren Teske she appeared for the first time in a while in that JMU series look at her now averaging a double double per series so she's definitely going to take that to Mobile Alabama when they play South Alabama this weekend like I said, they're going to be playing in Mobile, Alabama this weekend on Friday and Saturday. We're going to take a quick little break. But when we come out from the other side of it, we're going to be talking about some football. You're listening here to KTSW 89.9, the other side of radio. All right. Welcome back to Bobcat Radio on KTSW 89.9. It's time to talk about some football. A lot of football happened this past weekend. Oh, my gosh. I couldn't take my eyes off the TV. But we're going to start a little local this time. We're going to be talking about the San Marcos Rattlers. They took on Steele this past Friday. They unfortunately lost 49 to 14. That moved Steele up to 14, or not 14, 7 and 0, and that moved down the or the, the Rattlers, so I think 3 and 4. You know, it was a tough game. They blanketed them. I mean, I think Isaiah DeLeon only had uh, 76 passing yards. I mean, there's nothing he can do in the air. Yeah, the Steel Knights, you know, the Rattlers are used to being in a different division. We saw them in previous years. They're playing against teams like Westlake and Lake Travis, and now they're facing off against district teams like Steel and Steel Knights. They're 7-0 and right now, and that's that's just their overall record in non-district non and district play. And this is the second game of district play for the Rattlers, and, you know, it's it's a home game as well. So you, the, the, the momentum is in the Rattlers' favor, but, you know, unfortunately the Steel Knights, I mean, on defense they held the Rattlers down with, you know, small yardage but they did get two touchdowns so this team did put up some score and you know we talk about when we've seen them play the eagle pass eagles in previous weeks where that was a team that came in with a lot of momentum and a huge win streak as well and they ended up you know putting up a good match and almost w winning against them so you know we like to see them put some points up on the board against these huge powerhouses like the steel knights but you got to wonder you know how are you going to take this into their next district game against Judson? Yeah, and I mean, because, like, I mean, they were able to run the ball very well this game. I mean, Isaiah, I mean, not Isaiah DeLeon, uh, sorry, Jalen Brown had 177 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, Isaiah DeLeon also had added 66 yards on the ground. But, you know, I don't know how they didn't, I don't know what they're going to be able to do to kind of figure out the passing game against these teams that are really, I mean, steal. I mean, like I said, they're seven and oh, so that they probably got some good DBs and safeties over there. And so I don't know what you can do against these teams that are just, really built in the secondary and I mean if you can't pass the ball I mean if you can run the ball really well that's good but if you can't pass the ball too that's not I mean that is not going to be a, a plan for success. So I really wonder what they're going to do against Judson when they play them this week. Yeah, Judson, as you mentioned, uh, this team, you know, they're 2-0 and in district right now, and they just got a win off against Clemens 27-24. to And before that, they beat East Central 44 zero so this team is not only able to put 44 points on the board but able to hold your team to zero points so the rattlers are going away to this one you know about driving in about an hour for this game they have to be prepared and you know they can't let 
careless things like penalties that occurred in that first game against the Otto Hippos at home. They gave up like 150 yards in that one. So we've seen them improve from that. They're not giving those careless penalties away. They're doing great things. As you mentioned, you know, Jaden Brown, Isaiah DeLeon, they're trying their hardest to help this team. And right now, you know, they're they're trying their hardest to get into that district playoffs. You know, we we heard some rumors in the beginning of the year about a UIL ban, and we are not sure if that is even confirmed. But there were some rumors, and because there were some transfers, etc. So this team is fighting for their playoff appearance. If it's going to come, they're not even sure, but they're going to put themselves in the position to get there. And like we said, they're going to be playing this Friday at Judson at seven thirty. They're going to try and figure it out, see what they can do with the passing game. But now to go a little more. Less local, but still in town. We got the Texas State Bobcats. They took on Troy this past weekend. They unfortunately lost 17 to 14, a real close one. And this is kind of like mirroring what happened last year. I mean, it was a close game against Troy, and they have yet to pull a victory up against them. Yeah, they haven't. And, you know, we, we look at this team and the great win they got against App State at home. That was their first win they've ever got against this team and they, against that team, App State, since they were playing in 2004. And they've been playing against Troy, and unfortunately, they are still not able to get a win against them. And you look at that last matchup they had, they lost 28-25 to last year against Troy, and here they lose 17-14, to another three-point deficit, causing a loss for the Bobcats. But yeah, you have to look at what happened in this game um, just statistically to understand how the Bobcats performed. You see... Lane Hatcher, you know, Lane Hatcher's giving you 207 yards off of 21 completions. He did throw it, you know, it, it, he did not throw an interception, which is actually pretty good. But if you look on the other side of that, Troy Trojans, they did throw one interception, but did have 299 yards. But Lincoln Perry, I mean, he had, he really stepped up. He did good. He got 73 yards. Calvin Hill only got 22. See, that's what I think the flaw here is in the box score. If you look at that other game against App State and that blowout win they got against HCU, Lincoln Perry and Calvin Hill are both activated. We were talking about how the running backs work for this Bobcat team, and it seems like when one gets cold, the other one just comes in and, and steps up, and that's what happened here with Lincoln Perry and Calvin Hill. But I would love for them both to be activated in these games, and it just seems like they win these games. It, I don't know. Ryan, it's up to you. You've seen this Bobcat team a little bit more than I have, and it seems like when they play against teams that – they should win against it. Sometimes I don't know if it seems like they just they're complacent or or they're just not thinking right. What do you think happened in this game, Ryan? You know, I just call it the fourth quarter bug. I mean, both defenses were rocking it in the first half and, you know, most of the second half. And I mean, and like the Texas State defense, they were good. I mean, they held out, you know, um, sorry, the Trojans didn't get a first down, a third quarter, a third down conversion in all the first quarter, you know, and they forced them seven punts and they got an interception. And, you know, but then also you know, go on the other side. The Trojans kind of also did that to us. They stopped us. And, you know, this was kind of, you know, going into, you know, a fist fight in the fourth quarter. And we were up 14 or they were up 14 to 10. And, you know, they thought, you know, we can just hold out, hold his defense or hold his offense, you know, give the ball back to Lincoln Perry, you know, just run the ball out. You know, we can get success. And, you know, I don't know what happened in the, in the fourth quarter. I mean, they weren't letting big passes go besides the big 7-4 touchdown in the, in the second quarter. But, they were holding them, and then in the third quarter, they just let a 23-yard pass go by them for a touchdown. And, you know, that was just the the door opener for them, and then they just couldn't recover, which is kind of what happened. I mean, like, and going back to your question about, you know, I've seen them for a few years now, and that's kind of how it is. I mean, then you know, the team scores in the fourth quarter, takes a lead, and, you know, there's still time. I mean, there was 11 minutes left in this game, and they just shut down or something. They're not able to produce anything to even get in the field goal range to kick a field goal. Yeah, it's, you know, when you mentioned that first quarter and how they 
the the other team, you know, Troy did not have a third down conversion. Um, it shows that the defense for the Bobcats was playing all out. But you have to be able to control your energy as a defensive player. You got four quarters. You have a game that's going to last you two hours. You need to be able to split your energy up into four quarters evenly because guess what's going to happen in that fourth quarter? You're going to allow a touchdown, a 23-yard throw to go in the end zone, and now you just lost, and you just lost your 14, you know, th- that lead that you had over the Troy Trojans. So, yeah, it just it comes down to – I don't know about the fourth quarter. I'm not 100% sure because I haven't seen enough years. I will, Ryan. I'll let you know about the fourth quarter bug when I'm a senior, currently still a sophomore. But, yeah, no, it's just this team, it just seems like in that fourth quarter the defense just got tired, and they really have to step up and they have to play consistently, or you have to have backup defensive players to come in that position and do some, you know, play some defense. But, yeah, the Troy Trojans take advantage of this and they continue to have a winning record against the Bobcats. Yeah, and, you know, we've been saying it for the past couple weeks too. It's just failure to – to take you know your opportunities i mean like i said they they forced the trojans to punt seven times and you know they got the interception and they you know the offense wasn't able to put up more than 14 points and then you know and you know talking about the defense getting tired i mean it would be okay you know if they, you know in this you know they let them score a touchdown in the fourth quarter that would be a different story if you know we capitalize on those seven points if it, even if we just scored field goals i mean that'd be you know at 21 points you know if we made the game you know 30 to something and they scored, you know, 17, you know, that'd be okay. That's fine. In a regular game, in a regular win, that's understandable. But, you know, when you're going fist fight, fit, you know, you're throwing, you're throwing it up against each other and, you know, and it's, and you can't, you know, pull away. I mean, that's just how you lose these games. Yeah, and there are some. There, we got to look at the silver lining here, and we got to look at the the bright spots of this game. And there was one bright spot. You know, Lane Hatcher's pass to Lincoln Perry was the 14th of the season, moving him in tie for 10th all time for uh, passing touchdowns um, in you know a season list for the Bobcats. So Lane Hatcher has been improving. We've seen him. He's averaging around like I'd say 270 yards a game right now, and he's doing pretty good. And compared to that Brady McBride comparison that we've we've seen before, and you've seen plenty of Ryan. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad I haven't. And you know things. Just Lane Hatcher is doing pretty good. And, you know, we talk about a 64-yard touchdown reception by Lincoln Perry. That was also pretty good. That was that touchdown that gave him that lead, and that was in the third quarter. And that was the longest play from Lincoln Perry since a scrimmage he had against Arkansas State uh, when he was with Arkansas State at Georgia State. And that was um, just a pretty big important performance for him as well. So, yeah, just some individual statistics that stand out. But, you know, the Bobcats really have to, you know, fix what they did in that Troy game and play their best brand of football for this weekend because it's homecoming weekend for the Bobcats. Oh, like you said, homecoming weekend. They're going to be playing here at home on Saturday. You can listen to that on KTSW 89.9. We're going to be putting that game on. But now let's step away from football for a little bit, just a tiny bit. Let's talk about MOB because this postseason has been ridiculous. Oh, my gosh. So my Houston Astros were able to sweep the Mariners 3-0. You know, it's crazy. That series was, was great to see because Verlander was our worst pitcher and Jose Altuve, the guy that always gets us in the postseason, was our worst hitter. That was this team. Oh, I'm so proud of this team. I'm not going to go on about them, but, you know, it was, I'm very proud of this team and the way they've been able to come up, the pitching. I mean, like, I mean, they get the, you know, the pitchers come in in the 18th inning. To close it out, I mean, I don't know how you stay active in that game for six hours. I mean, did you watch that game, Justin? You know, unfortunately, I I did I did not see that full game, but you know, I've heard it was you weren't really missing out because there wasn't a score for eight. There wasn't a run scored until the 18th inning, and that came from Jeremy Pena, and that was a beautiful home run hit from him. And it just you know we we look at this game, and you know, 
it's the long it tied for the longest postseason game without a single score. You know, there were memes, people talking about what they were doing for the seven hours while they had the game on. Like, oh yeah, I just cleaned the entire house. I rearranged all the furniture in my room. I just built a new, you know, oven or something. <laughs> like, I watched the whole Lord of the Rings series <laughs> yes. in all that six hours. <laughs> yeah, see, I you know, I feel bad for those commentators. They're sitting there six hours. They're probably they're, <laughs> they're probably having to eat meals in between innings. They like, earned their pay that game. They, they earned definitely earned they probably got paid extra in that game, knowing <laughs> them. But yeah, just a great Great series from the Astros, a 3-0 sweep against the Mariners, something I was expected to see because, I, you know, obviously I support the Astros as well, being someone from the Houston area. But, yeah, just and there was just a – there's other series this weekend that just came as a surprise to others, like the Padres and Dodgers, which was – Oh, my God. Ryan, if you could talk about that well, one. Well, that was, you know, David and Goliath. I mean, the Dodgers – were the biggest, you know, that they were, I mean, they're the giant. They were, you know, better than the Astros. They're everything. Kershaw, Turner, everything. And for the Padres, I mean, I know if Joe is listening, one of our guys on KTSW, he's a big Padres fan. He was ecstatic when they beat the Dodgers. I mean, that was just something that, you know, that was the biggest, you know, thing that we were saying. I remember uh, earlier last week or when we were, you know, giving our predictions, we kind of, you know, we got some of them right, you know. I said, but we were, you know, we were just going, you know, Padres are not going to beat the Dodgers. There's no way. The Dodgers are just the Dodgers. It was going to be another Dodgers versus Astros. You know, that's just how it's going to turn out in the World Series. But Padres played spoiler. I mean, I don't know how they were able to do it. I mean, Juan Soto was really good. And so was, um, oh, what's his name? Starts with an M. Uh, Machado. Machado. Like, they were really good. But, I mean, I did, I did not expect, nobody expected them to beat the Dodgers. Yeah, no one did. I mean, the Dodgers had the best record in the entire MLB, better than the Yankees, better than the Strohs, and they had all the momentum. You know, they have players that, uh, you know, they have players on that team that are making millions of dollars to do what they're doing. It's one of the highest paid franchises in MLB. They're they're making a lot of money, and they're they they unfortunately couldn't play their best against the Padres. You know, when I talked about this Padres team, I thought they had the momentum because they had nothing to lose. Those Padres on that team, they're pretty young. You know, we have Juan Soto, as you mentioned, one of the highest players paid on that team. You got Machado, he's great as well. But this team, like, they're not they don't have superstar egos. They're playing to win baseball. The Padres haven't been this good and they haven't been in the postseason for a while and they're doing great things now they're going to have to play against the Phillies who the Phillies you know just beat the Atlanta, the Atl- Braves. The Atlanta was, Braves which was even more unexpected you know how ecstatic I was that I actually got that call right I remember when we did the calls last week and I said Philly's gonna beat the Braves and you should have bet on it I should have bet on it. everyone was like no they're not gonna beat them I was like they're gonna beat them and look what they did hey look at me I'm the freaking bed MGM <laughs> winner I, I should have put a, a lot of money on it but yes the Phillies beat the the Braves that was a good one but the biggest game you know everyone's still eyeing the Guardians versus the Yankees yeah the Guardians and Yankees we saw last night they lost four to two you know they had an opportunity in that bottom of the ninth inning but that was just quick three outs and it just it just unfortunately now the series is now tied I presume yes two one two, one yeah. oh, two to, I think two I don't know I, no, I think yeah, I don't know. Let me check real quick. But but um, uh, oh, I think it's probably two two, like you mentioned. You, keep, yeah. you looked at it. Well, I, I talk about the Garrett Cole who decided to come and play some baseball. I mean, he had been kind of average since he went to the Yankees, and everyone was saying. I was looking at Twitter, and everyone was saying, you know, this is his game. If he wins this game, it's gonna be ecstatic for him. It's gonna be great. If he loses his game, that's all he's gonna be remembered by. That he wasn't able to come up and do what they paid him to do. 
Yeah. And now we I did get it corrected. It's, you got it correct. It was 2-2, as you mentioned. And yeah, the, the Guardians, you know, Garrett Cole, he had a lot of pressure on him in this situation. But you're playing against a team like the Yankees. I mean, the Yankees have been one of the best baseball teams of all time. And they have great players. They have Aaron Judge, who, you know, he has the all-time record now for uh, would he had the most home runs in a season or he tied yeah, it you know he beat that record. yeah beat that record yeah he did and he's still going so but the the yankees they did have some injuries in that and towards the end of the season and they were unable to even get 100 wins on the season so you know the guardians they're a young team just as i mentioned as the padres they have nothing to lose you know they're not no one was expecting the guardians to get here they just had an entire rebranding they were the cleveland indians now the cleveland guardians they've gone through some huge changes not just on the branding side but with staff as well and players so this is a huge series for them and it's a huge series for the community of cleveland they need to beat new york yankees i want to see them beat the yankees because i'm a Stros fan and i don't want to see the yankees and i don't want to see well i don't i don't have to see the dodgers now you know thank padres and I want to thank the Guardians if they get this win. All right. But, yeah, so it's going to be Padres versus the Phillies in the NLCS. And then the ALCS is going to be Astros versus the winners of the Yankees or the Guardians. But we still got a little bit of time left. We got four minutes. So let's see. Let's do a little little, little, little football discussion, just a little tiny one, a little oh, yeah. MVP talk. I have my choice of who I think is going to win MVP. I saw him play against my favorite team last last night. But, Justin, who's your guy real quick? Okay. You know, who is my MVP? Well, you know, I'm not going to say the player you're going to say. I'm going to say Josh Allen right now because Josh Allen, he's doing amazing things. He's averaging over like 300 yards a game. We saw him beat the Chiefs yesterday, a huge, huge team. We know Patrick Mahomes and what he's capable of. And we saw this matchup previously in the playoffs. That was a big, we saw that game and we wanted to have a different overtime rule because of it. Cause it was like, if people are like, nah, we don't want to watch the Super Bowl yet this year. We just want to watch the Chiefs and you know, the bills play for seven games. But yeah, no, I, I think Josh Allen is definitely doing it. And the Bills are doing amazing things. Now, one honorable mention I will give, and you're going to like freak out from my saying this, but I think that Daniel Jones from the New York Giants is an MVP candidate. And because the Giants have the best record they have ever had since the year 2009, they're five and one right now, they're doing great things. And I think right now the Giants, people are not seeing this guy, Daniel Jones. He doesn't even look like he is a quarterback. He is giving you 70 rushing yards a game because he just runs out of that pocket and he goes, he's gone and you just watch him go. So I want to hear who your MVP is. Well, it's, it's respectable of you to add Daniel Jones to that list. Maybe comeback player. and I, Maybe not even comeback player. We'll see. Whatever he gets. But uh, my MVP is the Mr. Jalen Hurts, who beat my Cowboys last night. It was very sad to see, but, I mean, I got to give credit to him. He is rocking it this year. He's leading that Phillies defense. And, you know, one of the biggest things that, like, I think shows his value and shows how good of a player he is, you know, Micah Parsons, our best, one of our best players, didn't know – who he should cover. Should he just cover Jalen Hurts or should he cover the running back? I mean, Jalen Hurts is just so shifty that he didn't know who – he can't make a choice, and that's how they beat us last night. I mean, yeah, how they beat the Cowboys last night. They are just running all over us. Jalen Hurts could roll out of the pocket. And that just shows his value for the team and as an MVP candidate because he can air it out on you. He can run it on you. He can, He's cool, calm, and collected in the pocket. I mean, I guess so is Josh Allen. I mean, but that guy is a freaking tank. So but he, he's only been in the league for two years. You have to think about that. You know, he did great things in Alabama. Now he comes here and plays for, you know, the Eagles, and he's doing great things. I, If you look in that first half, they had 14 points in that first half, and Cooper Rush, he hasn't been in that situation all, you know, all season, and he didn't know how to respond in that, and he threw three interceptions. Before that game, 
he only threw three interceptions in the four, the four, the five games that he played. And that one game alone, he threw three interceptions. And I just want to say a little side note here, just a little segue. The Phillies, def- the Philadelphia Eagles defense is probably the best defense I've ever seen in my entire life watching a football game. The corners on that game did not allow any passing offense to be like it, it was in impo- I, I couldn't even watch it it was sad it just looked like the Cowboys every single play they're just coming out there and the defense from the Eagles insane and now they have the offense with Jalen Hurts and he definitely could be an MVP candidate I I would assume we should place a bet since I guess I'm really good at betting not on air all right well that's all we got time for today but before we leave Justin gonna be our trusty weatherman today let's see if he gets it right yeah well there's really there's really no way i can get it wrong today because as you know if you've seen the roads today and you've been outside it is raining um and it's going to be raining until around 12 30 in the afternoon light showers right now it's 61 degrees and the high for today is only going to be 69 and the low is going to be 51 so it's a bit chilly today which is actually quite exciting it makes you feel like it's fall season but yes bring a rain jacket and bring you know an umbrella just in you know in case the rain continues after 12:30 in the afternoon so be prepared it might be a rainy day all right well thank you all for joining us thank you justin for being my co-host and producer i'm your host ryan liguez and you were listening you have been listening to bobcat radio on ktw 89.9 the other side of radio